Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Midwest Bank Hotline and talk with Dennis Michael. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now. Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Dennis Michelson, welcome to the show. Better late than never. Mr. Z-Man, I think we got a lot <laughs> somewhere there in the uh, in the wonderful world of phone lines. So we're gotcha now. Very good. So, yeah, you know, Daytona 500, it's a tale of two races, wasn't it? The first three quarters was looking competitive. We had some good storylines going, and then it all kind of went away, didn't it, at that last? Well, you had chaos, but, hey, you had a little bit of everything in this race. You had actual passing for the lead. Um, The restrictor plate package the last couple of years have been kind of blah. They made just a slight tweak to it and it seemed to give us better racing plus they basically cussed the drivers out and and warned them that they didn't really want them just hanging on the high line all day they wanted them to actually put on a show but i think the sunny and warm conditions kind of uh equalized the track for everybody Um, it was a good show i mean i won't go and, and try to to fool anybody into saying it was the greatest daytona 500 of all time but some knuckleheaded car and driver said it was the worst Daytona 500 of all time. That guy is a complete moron for thinking no, that. No, there was, I remember, mm, it might have been 78. Bobby Allison won, I think, in a Bud Moore car, which wasn't a lot of passing, wasn't, uh, you know, the best. I mean, there, there's been some few, There's there's been some stinkers out there. Yeah, there have been some stinkers, and last week wasn't one of them. Now, you did have 80% of the cars. Here was the strangest stat from from the uh, from the weekend. There was an estimate that 80% of those cars, because of the damage, might never race in NASCAR again. Those chassis were so bent up, and that goes for all three series combined. So it was a very, very expensive race weekend for NASCAR team owners, that's for sure. Well, how could that be, Dennis, when everything that we hear from NASCAR is that they make all these changes to save money and to cut costs? Yeah, but you collide at 200 miles an hour, and all of a sudden those chassis become uh, more expensive to fix. Yes. But when you set your rules package up to have these guys collide at 200 miles an hour, it makes you a complete hypocrite to then sit there and, you know, have universal, uh, you know, pit guns because it's going to save guys 20 bucks. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is kind of weird that we go in, in the reverse directions because, you know, it wasn't too long ago. I mean, you look at the ARCA race, for instance, down at Daytona, and the guy who was one of the fastest in practice uh, leading up to qualifying, Andy Seiss, used an old bush car chassis that had been alive since 1996. So you look at uh, how 
cars used to be built, and you could build and rebuild them and rebuild them again. But the rules package, the, the technical you know, measurements now are so close in NASCAR, it makes that almost impossible. It's, it, it's actually cheaper to replace the whole car, which is kind of crazy. Well, here, here's the one stat I think everybody was looking at regarding that, that last quarter of the race. It took, uh, I think it was one hour. I got a, Mike McCarthy, not that Mike McCarthy, but a different one, <laughs> uh, tweeted out uh, one hour and 12 minutes ago, there were 30 laps to go. So that's pretty much sums up the, the race at that, that second part. Three red flags later, yeah, it yeah. was it was kind of crazy. But you know, the, the thing you cannot uh, separate though is that you you know you had good racing during the day before the mayhem started. You know, NASCAR fans love a little mayhem. You know, they're kidding you if they're if they tell you different because look at all the highlight reels that NASCAR goes uh, to great lengths to put together. Oh yeah, a lot of crashing. And then at the end, I mean, what a great feel-good story. The first time back at the track since J.D. Gibbs passed away, you know, in a in a point race anyway, and a 1-2-3 finish for Joe Gibbs Racing and his number 11 car, you know, for a lot of reasons, that was his number. It was his number when he played football, and it was uh, Denny Hamlin was the guy that he helped discover uh, when they were doing a short track test for another driver. Uh, back in the day so all those things going together it was one of those great feel-good stories um, with the joe gibbs organization you know needing a little uh little smile on their faces and they got it uh do you want to talk about the ratings ratings were, were up but no they weren't all... no they weren't that was the the overnights were up and then at, when the final ratings came in, the overall, that was the lowest ever. Yeah, well, let's put it to you this way. They, the the overnight ratings were up versus a very low number. Yes. So the overall number was not great. No. But you didn't see the fall off like we've continued to have. Like, you put the brakes on the, on the shrinking television audience, and the interesting thing is um, we did an interview this week with uh, guys from an app called Tunity, which is one of the uh, smaller sponsors in NASCAR now uh, on, Mike, uh, on Matt Tiff's car. And they are able now to estimate the number of people that actually watch NASCAR races away from their television sets. And the number was pretty astronomical. Um, so that's where some of the ratings are going, but you know, overall NASCAR is still the biggest racing organization as oh, yeah. far as popularity here in the U S mm-hmm. one thing was great to see was a sellout at, at Daytona. And yeah, I know they removed a lot of seats to get to a sellout, but it's still a nice situation when you can sell all the seats that you had available and you had a pretty good crowd in the infield too. So I think NASCAR might be going in the right direction as far as slowing down the shrinkage that we've seen in the sport. But then again, going to Atlanta, 37 cars are all that showed up, and 36 of those were are guaranteed a spot every week and a paycheck every week because of the charter system. So there really isn't any fresh blood willing to come into NASCAR right now. 
I thought this was an interesting stat. Ryan Priest, who finished eighth, uh, who replaced uh, Almendinger in the JTG car, uh, finished finishes eighth, and that was his first Daytona 500. Not first Daytona. Well, of course, it was his first Daytona 500 that he's driven in, but it was his first Daytona 500 he ever attended either. <laughs> yeah, an old modified guy. You know, he's usually been busy racing uh, that time of the year somewhere else, um, usually down there at uh, New Smyrna. So, in fact, he was racing at New Smyrna at the, uh, you know, leading up to uh, the 500. So, um, but great to see um, some young drivers have success, some success down there. Um, you know, we also uh, got to see uh, Matt Benedetto have a pretty good run before he got caught up in a crash as well. Um, so, you know, I think we're starting to see a few of these guys that are, are new to the sport get the chance in, in decent equipment and showing that they've got what it takes. And uh, let's take a look at racing at the Milwaukee Mile, Dennis. Uh, we oh, got... my gosh. Yes. And uh, are, you, are you excited about that? I'm absolutely thrilled about it, and I'll tell you why. And it is, you know, here's the thing. There have been a lot of great attempts to bring racing back to the Milwaukee Mile. But I'm not so sure, and I'm sorry I'm going to, you know, be insulting the folks that, that used to be there at, uh, at Andretti Sports Marketing that, that tried it with the IndyCar uh, race for several years. But here's the thing. When it comes to understanding the Midwest racing fan right now in this day and age, is there anybody better than Bob Sargent? Has he ever touched an event that hasn't grown to be a huge success. I mean, before he got involved with some of the racing at the fairgrounds there, you know, both at DeCoin and also at uh, the Illinois State Fair in Springfield, those events were sliding. They were losing, you know, they were losing attendance-wise. They were losing a lot, and they were losing car counts and the series they wanted to come race and all that kind of stuff were, were kind of in jeopardy. He got involved, boom. Good success. He's had good success at dirt tracks around the area as well. I think he really understands the Midwest Midwest racing fans, and I think uh, he's bringing the perfect series in to to race there. That's going to be like their Daytona 500. Yeah, can you short track guys? Can you uh, kind of tell the fans and listeners what to expect from the uh, Arca Midwest uh, tour? I think we're going to see some pretty good racing. Um, there's a lot of talent in that division. I've, I've heard a lot of people compare it to the old Arco series. That's a name that, you know, the older fans listening will remember. And I think it's pretty accurate. Um, no, they don't have quite the depth of talent from, you know, first to, to 20th in the field, like the old Arco series did back in, in its heyday when you had so many guys coming up just to race in, in some of those big events. But what you have is, is good parity, but not a case where you can just outbuy, you know, the, the you, you can't overpay on the car and outdo talent. So there's a lot of good talented drivers. And the Arkham Midwest Tour has done a really good job um, during what have been tough times to put on consistently good shows everywhere they go. And these cars are momentum-based cars. You know, they're, they're not overpowered. 
So it's going to be a momentum-based race. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll. I think they'll put on a heck of a show. All right, very good, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, let's actually. Can you stay over for one more segment? Absolutely. Fantastic. We'll talk to Dennis Sec- or Dennis Michelson coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Dino Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. The fields, the folds of honor, Quick Trip 500, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Dennis. Uh, what are we looking at this weekend? Well, hold a, hold that thought. I'm sorry. We need to play the Harvick bit. Which one? Uh, let's do the first one where he talks about... Uh, let me take a look at this. is good radio right here, folks. Yeah, he talks about Atlanta. Here we go. Yeah, this is it. Well, we, we really don't know either. Um, you know, I think that that's the, that's the question, and, you know, we don't have that answer. You know, but I can tell you that it's going to be drastically different uh, than, than what we've done before. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've not raced this package. That's the bottom line. You know, you don't, you don't have any idea of, of what you need because we haven't had all the cars on the racetrack. And last week was a great example for a lot of you. Um, who wrote stories about the racing and the way that it, that the the, the um, uh, clash and, and the qualifying races were the drastic difference um, you know when we dropped the green flag at the Daytona 500 with all the cars on the racetrack so um, you know other than being drastically different I would hate to speculate on what the direction of it is going to be and, and what we're going to do because we don't know and a lot of times that's good for everybody watching because you know, once the engineers and the people all grab their wrap their arms around what they need, then it becomes more of a system, and you, and you really start to uh, build the notebook and the things that go with that to, um, you know, start to evolve the program and, and what you do and, and uh, what you work on. So um, right now we don't have anything to evolve because we don't have any answers. We have more questions with zero answers, really. So, Dennis, what will we see this weekend at, at Atlanta? Well, okay, here's here's – kind of how my evolution of this package has gone. When they announced it, it was so anti what Dan Gurney taught us all mm-hmm. as race fans that, you know, more horsepower, less downforce. This is going the other way. It's a little more downforce, a little more drag, more than downforce. With the larger spoiler, it's going to really uh, increase the amount of drag while not increasing the overall downforce of the car. It's kind of a physics thing. Um, but Here's the thing is they're taking power away with this tapered spacer. So when they announced it, I was like, oh, God, please, no. It's a modified version of the all-star race package that we saw. And I say modified because, in my opinion, that race was horrible. But the modified part that helps it is that extra drag on the spoiler because what you're going to end up getting is more of the ability of guys to do a little bit of slingshot passing with a little bit of help. When I watched the tire testing and the aero package testing out in Las Vegas before the season started, the first day was an absolute disaster. It made me think, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst racing we're ever going to see. Day two of the package actually impressed me that there was going to be better racing than what we had last year at the intermediate tracks. It's an improvement over what we had. Now, that's not saying much because 
the last couple of years got so bad on the intermediate tracks that they had to do an, a roval at one of the best intermediate tracks just to get fan interest again. But overall, I think you're going to see a very competitive package. And I think one thing that you're going to see is you're going to see some of these teams that are sort of the underdogs end up having a chance to actually compete with the big boys at more than just the restrictor plate tracks. But more than anything else, I really like the Fords because if there's one thing that Doug Yates knows how to do is build a restricted airflow engine for the Fords. And I think you're going to see the Fords do quite well. And the proof is in the pudding right here with uh, Clint Boyer uh, being fastest in happy hour practice today. Interesting. I tell you what, let's uh, – Harvick also has some interesting uh, 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 thoughts on Jimmy Johnson. Let's hear from those next. Well, it was it was great because, you know, I feel like, in my opinion, Jimmy's one of the most disrespected great drivers that have ever come through this garage. And, you know, it's um, – Jimmy Johnson's, you know, just a good old-fashioned great guy and, you know, helps people and – has done great things in, in the garage, in the race car, out of the race car. And, you know, sometimes I, I feel like we, we forget that he's, that he's won. A lot of people forget that he's won seven championships and, and all the races that he's won and all the great things that he's done. And it's not like he came from a, a rich daddy or a family that, that had a lot of money. I mean, he came all the way up from, you know, the bottom all the way to the top and worked hard and had a lot of success with it and, and has won as many championships as, as Dale Earnhardt and, and Richard Petty. And I never feel like he's... Um, on that pedestal next to those guys appropriately. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, as a group, uh, from a fan standpoint, um, you know, I feel like you're, you're just letting it go by and not, not even realizing that you're watching one of the greatest careers that's ever going to come through the garage. So, um, you know, so we talked about the basic things. You know, where'd you start? How'd you start? What'd you do? You know, how'd you get here? Um, because I feel like, you know, a lot of times, you know, the, the fan base changes so much from, you know, the majority of, of our fan base that it's almost, you almost have to reintroduce yourself every five or six years to let people understand who you are. And, and once you hear the Jimmy Johnson story and how he got to where he is, and, and, you know, a lot of people know what he's done here, but it's not like it was handed to him. And so that was, that's always kind of our goal is to do something different. And I, I just feel like it's, you know, I just, I don't want the fans to not realize what they're watching. Dennis, thoughts on Jimmy Johnson, please. He's one of the greatest drivers that's ever been in NASCAR. Look at how many consecutive championships that he's won. Nobody did that before. He's Nobody's won more championships than him. Two guys tied for that number. But here's the problem with Jimmy Johnson. He's not exciting. He doesn't, he doesn't get you to love or hate him. He's just kind of there every year he needs one on years after his career i think we're actually going to be a little more fond of what he did record wise than what we are right now most great champions have that sort of cockiness out in the press that gets people to either love or hate him he's kind of just vanilla yeah i talked to uh jim trado who is uh emceeing the 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 press conference uh earlier this week on on the mile coming back and and I remember a conversation I had with him a couple of years ago where uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson was actually at the Milwaukee Mile for uh, for a test and and he knew uh, Jimmy going back to his ASA days when he raced with Herzog and then uh, later in the Bush series and whatnot 
and he was talking about Jimmy Johnson and some of the negativity that's that at that time when they were talking about. And that's one of the few times I really saw Jim get emotional and kind of mad where he was saying, you know, it, the, the fans only could see the Jimmy Johnson that you see who sits around having a couple beers and, and, and joshing with the guys and whatnot. And, and I, I, I've, I've on a, on an occasion been able to see that. And it's kind of the same deal with Scott Dixon on the IndyCar side where the quality, quality guys, quality people, superb drivers, but just, I, I, I don't really, it's not really fair to call vanilla because I've seen Scott Dixon loosen up too. It's not that they're, they're tight or anything. It's just that their personality just for whatever reason doesn't transfer well to some of the fans. I mean, it doesn't it might... transfer on TV. Right. Yeah. Is what it is in, in person, one-on-one with Jimmy Johnson. He's a funny guy. He is, and he's also, yeah. also a very nice guy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, here's the thing for, for those of us that are sort of freelancers covering NASCAR, a lot of times it's, it's a lot of heavy, heavy lifting to get a big name like a Jeff Gordon or, you know, even a Brad Keselowski to do an interview. You walk up to Jimmy Johnson on the fly. You don't have to go through his PR guy. If he's got time, he'll give you the the couple of minutes that you need right there on pit road without asking his PR people ahead of time. The guy is a nice guy, but over the television set, he comes off as being very bland because he doesn't want to offend anyone. He isn't that cocky guy. He just goes out and does it, you know, with his driving ability that's a lot different than most champions that we've seen over the years in NASCAR. Dennis, give us a race prediction winner for the Sunday's race. Well, I, I'm telling you, the, the guy that was quickest in happy hour and third in qualifying is my pick, Miss Clint Boyer, is going to get it done. All right, very good. Dennis, thank you as always. Appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we'll chat with you next week. All right, Z-Man. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis Michelson, D-Mike Media. When we come, well, we'll have a sports flash coming up next. And after that, we'll talk with David Land from YouTube coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.